This episode of the Chapter Next podcast is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Pump 5 Fuel Delivery Service, recorded and produced by our friends at Podcast Town. Pump 5 delivers quality car service directly to our members' cars. Do you hate going to the gas station? Our specially trained service providers will bring the gas directly to your car. Do you have no time to have your car detailed? Do you need tire services? Our members use our app to have our service providers bring their skills directly to their cars wherever their car is parked. So how does your morning look? Do you have to take the kids to school? Do you have to get up at ungodly hours to go to work? Are you desperately missing those last 20 minutes of sleep because you know you told yourself the night before that you had to go to the gas station? Well, our members enjoy a life where they can just get up, walk outside, get into their freshly cleaned, full tank cars, and go about their day. We want you to be able to enjoy that too. So be sure to check our website at www.pump5, that's P-U-M-P-F-I-V-E dot com. Welcome to the Chapter Next podcast. I am Talithia Thompson. I'm a mom, a grandma, a serial entrepreneur, and right now I'm just doing my best to make this next chapter of my life the best chapter of my life on purpose. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chapter Next podcast. This is Talithia Thompson, and today our guest will be Hyacinth Nimhart. Hyacinth is the owner of Concoctions Milwaukee, and she and I met, I guess it's almost three or four years ago now, Yeah, during one of our entrepreneur classes that we took. And as a result, I've been able to watch her uh, career kind of transform from somebody that works in corporate America to somebody that just decided that wasn't working for her. And she went after going after her own goals. And honestly, she was really doing a good job of working her side hustle at the time when we met. Thank you. (laughs) But since then, she has definitely expanded it, made a significant pivot. And now her business is thriving in Milwaukee. And she seems to be achieving the goals that she had when we met, which was at the time to have a brick and mortar store. So we'll be able to talk to her a little bit more. Hyacinth is a mom and entrepreneur and a serial, well, not serial entrepreneur, but definitely a successful one. So you all will be able to hear a little bit more as we go through the podcast. So like I said, she and I met three years ago, we were both doing an entrepreneurship program. We both had, well, my business was much smaller than hers at the time. Was it? I feel like we were there together. I just launched Pump 5 in April of that year. So oh, I, mean, I know. Well, so Big things quickly then. <laughs> it was wonderful. Concoctions is Hyacinth. I'll let you tell the folks a little bit more about that if you want to do that before I let y'all know how I figured out just how wonderful it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I am Hyacinth Nemhart, the owner of Concoctions. We are a specialty bar. We feature drinks that can be made with or without alcohol and we do drinks to go. I've uh, been doing the business for over 10 years now. It actually started off as a liquor store with a very small bar. And by small, I mean, you didn't even sit at it. It was just like a walk-up bar where you got drinks to go. And little did I know 10 plus years ago that God was planting a seed in me that would help me to flourish in the midst of an unprecedented pandemic years later. But the business model back then was to make virgin drinks and sell nips on the side, which are those little 50 milliliter bottles of alcohol so that people could be able to take the drink to go. Fast forward to 2020, 2021, that ended up being my saving grace and opening up a brick and mortar in the midst of COVID-19. So in between time, I was doing festivals, private parties, eventually morphed that into a mobile drink truck where we did the virgin drinks and then just knew that it was time to go back into actual 
location. And we did that November 20th, 2020. Obviously very nervous about that because of COVID-19. But people ask me all the time, how are you doing in COVID? And I said, I don't know because I have nothing to compare it to. I was a seasonal business before, so I didn't have a brick and mortar footprint to compare sales to and that type of thing. But in my opinion, based on what I see, things are are going really well. I know there's room to grow, but I'm very thankful and blessed to be operating and employing six people. And my daughter's the manager and things are good. So I'm very blessed. And you're busy, which is a good thing. It's not like you're sitting around watching the clock. So that means business must be uh, doing what (laughs) you needed to. And in fact, on that note, that's exactly when I saw Concoctions for the first time. There was a block party for one of our local sports teams. And I remember walking outside in about 98 degrees and being hot. And all I saw was the big old Icy drinks. I saw people walking away with colorful drinks. And I remember walking over thinking I was going to get an icy. And then when I saw the adult options, I was like, bring it on. Yeah. (laughs) And that's actually how we met. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was when, Rise. So we met prior to that? Well, we met then. And even then, it was just like, hey, hi, thank you very much for the icy drink because I'm thirsty. But I mean, it wasn't like we like knew each other or had it. So yeah, I do remember seeing you there. So it was kind of nice. Once I actually saw you in Rise, because I knew what you did, I remember seeing, like, the van. In fact, (laughs) that'll be fun. Do you want to share the story with people, Bessie, how you went and got— Oh, you remember that story? I I didn't even remember I told that story. (laughs) But, I mean, it's definitely one of my testimonies. So, yeah, I don't want to go to church on y'all. But (laughs) when I got the drink truck, I had been looking for a very long time. And hitting roadblock after roadblock, I finally found something down in Islip, Illinois. I had never even heard of Islip, Illinois before. And so one morning I got up, I said, you know what? I had negotiated on the phone with the gentleman. I could tell, you know, he really wasn't trying to do business with a woman. I felt the vibe through the phone. So we got to the price and I said, okay, I'm going to be down there tomorrow to get it. So the next morning I was seeing this guy at the time and I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to go down to Chicago. He's like, okay, I'll take you. But later, like later in the afternoon, I said, no, 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 I'm going now. I'm going this morning. And he didn't want to get up early to go. So I called my mother. I had her take me to the Amtrak station. I got on the train. I got off the train. I got on the L train. Then I got on a bus. And then I walked to this dealership. Hey, sometimes you got to call your mama and make it happen. By any means necessary. I was like, I am getting this truck today. And I will never forget as I was walking, it was like a hill over a bridge and you get go down to the dealership and it started raining. And I was like, oh, I've always taken rain as a sign, like a good thing from my father who has passed on. So I get down there, get the truck. Everything seems to be going good. Test drive the truck. Everything's fine. Pull off. Don't even get to the gas station to put the gas in the truck. And it cut off on me. Said like, okay, we're going to come get it, bring it back. It's probably just this. We'll fix it. Get back to the dealership. They did something. Get back on the road. It cut off again. At this point, I'm calling the insurance company like, hey, can I get a tow? But I knew I was so far from Milwaukee that it was going to be astronomical to get this vehicle. And this is like, we're talking a 10-foot step van. So just picture a big food truck. So I was like, no, I'm going to keep trying. I'm I'm starting to end, just starting. And it started. So I'm like, I'm just going to go. In my mind, the goal was get as close to Milwaukee as possible to eliminate this high tow bill. So I get on the freeway and it was deadlock, like rush hour traffic. I'm past downtown Chicago. So I'm now getting up to, and I said, God, please, let me just get to downtown Chicago so I can tell somebody where I'm at. Because again, I don't even know where Islip is. I'm like, let me just get to some type of waypoint. Got past downtown. Now, if you've ever had a janky vehicle, like now I got a nice car. It's that kind of car that is shut off on you to try to save the gas when you're at the red light and it starts back up automatically. I hate that feature because for people who've had hoopties in the past, that's like a devastating feeling. Can't when, have your car just cut off. Yeah, so no, I'm sitting there trying to like push the gas in this gridlock traffic so that it won't cut off on me. I get past downtown Chicago. I'm like, okay, God, just get me to the Oasis so somebody can find me here and I could be safe at the Oasis. So at this point, I'm like, I need gas. The gas gauge wasn't even working. 
So I get out, I'm putting gas into the tank. But you know how the gas nozzle will reject when the tank is full. And it kept doing it. And I'm like, there's no way. I've been in this truck for like two hours at this point. There's no way that this gas guzzling 1976 GMC step van still has some gas in it. So I put it in until it wouldn't go anymore. And I'm like, okay, it's probably not going to start. It started. And then here comes the revelation. I'm on the freeway. Now it's raining. It's April, but it's cold. And there's nothing in the back of the van. It's a shell of a van. There's no heat. So the shell of it all made it not have any weight to it. So I'm, it's wind on the freeway. The thing is like swaying from side to side. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to die. People are passing me up. My little side view mirrors are like caving in on me. I couldn't see anything in my peripheral vision. And all I could think about in that moment was, this is life. Like in life, we are all on this road of life. And we all have different trials and tribulations at different times. We go at different speeds. We drive different vehicles. Some of us are going faster than others. And I remember people passing me by and blowing and they were mad. And other people looking like they were concerned. And it was just such a metaphor for me about what the journey in life was. And I remember getting to the 27th Street exit. And I said, I'm off this freeway. I took the streets the rest of the way home. And when I got to my cousin's mechanic shop, I was literally like in shock. Like I was shaking from PTSD. I I was in there for like five hours and my hands was gripping that wheel so tight that it was like my hands were stuck in the motion of holding the wheel. So I get out the car and my cousin was like, what's wrong? I'm like trying to get myself together. He's like, what's wrong with you? And I could never really explain in that moment, like what I had just experienced on that road. But in that moment, I just knew like, God wanted me to have this truck. Like, look at everything I went through just to get it. And so it's always been very hard. Like, over the years, I've put money into it and try to get it up to a certain level. And many times I thought about just selling her, starting over, and I just can't. It's like, that's my baby. Right. Like, we together. We go together, me right. and this truck. Y'all did this together. Yes. So real. definitely got to make sure that when you're pursuing something, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems like it might not be the right thing to do, I knew that that was my truck. So, yeah, that's <laughs> so me and Bessie. Good. And honestly, I think the reason I wanted to share that with my listeners is because I think a lot of times people look at entrepreneurship and they see this glamorous, beautiful, finished picture and they feel like, oh my gosh, you own your business, you must have it together. And what folks don't necessarily see, like they see the beginning and they see the end. They don't see all the mess that we go through in the middle. And I think that's important. So part of the reason why I wanted to have you share that with people is so whatever the particular challenge that the ladies that are listening to now are going through. So whether that's going back to school, going back to work, it's like you get to those points where you sit around and you look around wondering like, who I did was this mess? You know what I mean? And I want them to know that honestly, the struggle is a part of it. But you look around and you get to the end of it. And it's just one of those things where you're not glad you went through the struggle, but you're glad you can look at it and see you overcame it. So, and I want them to be able to keep that in mind as well. So fast forward a little bit. Like I said, when we met, you were at Rise, but you were working at Wells Fargo. Tell us a little bit more about that, because I feel like the conversation we had was, you seemed really organized. It sounded like you had a plan. Like you knew that you were working, you had your own side hustle, but you had a business of your own that you were dreaming about, but you also had this full-time job. So what made you, like, had you always planned to be an entrepreneur? Was that always a goal for you? Were you just going to do concoctions on the side? Like, or was there something that happened with Wells Fargo where you were like, yep, it's time for me to figure out how to work on my own? The financial industry, it was never something I chose. That was an industry that I got into very young. As a young mother, I had my daughter when I was 17. So I had to pay bills. I needed a job. But my whole family are entrepreneurs, everybody. I know my father comes from a family of 12 children. And all my life, I saw my parents own businesses. So that's really all I knew. 
But in the journey of life, like trying to figure it all out, of course, I landed in corporate America. Yeah, no, I was never planning to like retire from there. That was never the goal. I knew it was always a means to an end. And what I was doing there, I felt like God really blessed me in that space because even though the financial industry had absolutely nothing to do with my business, there were so many fundamentals that I was learning about business, do's and don'ts. And I just applied it to my business. So if you have a side hustle and you have a corporate job, I always tell people, don't necessarily look down on the corporate job. Also, though there's many negative things I could say about Wells Fargo legally, I can't say a lot of those things. Let's <laughs> not get nobody in trouble. <laughs> but you got to look at your corporate job and say to yourself, okay, A, does this job allow me flexibility to be able to do some of the things that I want to do? And for me, it did. I had a very flexible schedule. I was kind of able to come and go as I please. So I was able to come in early and leave early if I had an event I needed to get to. So that was a plus. And then, like I said, what I just mentioned about being able to take fundamentals from the corporate side and apply it to your business. But my original plan was I'm going to open up the brick and mortar. I had banked up several weeks of PTO, so I was going to take like a month off. And then I was going to train up my staff and I was going to go back to corporate America so that I wouldn't pull any salary out of the business for the first year. That was the original plan. When I tell you guys that, oh, no, we're not doing that, (laughs) okay? That environment got so uncomfortable there. And it was like God was pushing me out of there. He was like, you might think you're going to stay. And I think I could have very well done it as far as like from a timing perspective and being able to juggle both things. But God has something else in mind. And unfortunately, things there just got so bad that I, I ended up leaving there. Let me see. What can I legally say? That should tell you everything. <laughs> the fact that I have to sit here and say, legally, I can't what say certain things, say? but it actually ended up in my favor. And when it was all said and done, and I'm glad that that happened because I still took that same approach. Like I'm not in my business every day. You won't see me there. When I'm there, I'm there for a reason. I'm not working in my business on a day-to-day basis. I work for my business on a day-to-day basis. And that was always the goal for me not to be in there ringing up customers, making orders, cleaning up. Even though sometimes those things do happen if I'm there. Of course, I'm not going to look away from a customer. But right now, I'm doing what an entrepreneur really is. I'm business developing. I am taking it to the next level. I'm making connections. I'm figuring out how we get location number two. I'm figuring out how I can have other streams of income. So that's where my power lies in my business now. But it was not always like that. I mean, I spent 10 years in the grind in the festival industry, sweating in 90 degree temperatures. I mean, I remember one of the first times I was at Jazz in the Park, I made $46 sitting out there for five hours. And I remember going home like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Right. And see, that's where people give up. That's the test right there. If you give up that easy, and I'm not talking about one time, I'm talking about it's going to be years Okay, businesses don't flourish overnight. So if you throw in the towel and don't have the tenacity to to keep going, then this probably isn't for you because there's going to be many days like that. Even now, with me having an established brand, even me now being blessed in this space, like when we had the polar vortex a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at at some numbers one night. I was like, this happened? This was we open today? (laughs) 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 You have to take the good with the bad. And then like fast forward two weeks later, I'm like, what? We doing weekend numbers on a Monday? Like that's just the nature of doing business. You got to be able to take the good with the bad. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like you said, if you realize a couple weeks or a couple months in that this just ain't for you, you can't do the 46 hour day. There's nothing wrong with figuring that out, which is why, like you said, it's a good idea to keep your job and try to do things and build your business while you're working, if that's where you are at that point. So that's a nugget. Hang on to that. And 
if you here again, if after a few years you look at it and that's still just too much for you and you need to stay at the job a little while longer, nobody is telling you not to. <laughs> well, it's not for everybody. Entrepreneurs, right, exactly. and there's nothing wrong with that. We need people in corporate spaces. We need leadership in corporate spaces. We need management. So there's nothing wrong with everybody not being an entrepreneur. I actually think it's something wrong and, you know, no shades to nobody, but you know, I got to keep it real. Now, like being a business owner is the thing. Everybody's a business owner. Everybody think if you get a logo and a business card, boom, you're an entrepreneur. No, you are not. You are not. Some kidding. people don't even have LLCs established. So it's like, until you're paying taxes, right. you really ain't right. a business owner. In your business bank account. No, the taxes, to me, that's everything. Because people <laughs> love to, this is another little nugget. People love to try to lie and say they're not making money so mm-hmm. they can avoid paying taxes. And what I tell every business owner, you are doing yourself a grave injustice. You really are, yeah. Because if you cannot show your profitability, no matter how big or small it is on paper, it's like you were never there right. in the business footprint. Exactly. So then fast forward five years later, somebody says, oh, you've been in business five years. Let me see your numbers. Uh, I made $46. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I made $46. not going to get it. <laughs> right. And that makes sense. The truth is, it's funny. I think a lot of times when we do the taxes, you feel like, okay, I'm going to set this up so I don't have to pay so much more. But here again, like you just said, you're shooting yourself in the foot because then when you're trying to show, okay, this business is profitable because you may need to. You may want to get funding somewhere. You may want to get some type of credit application somewhere and they're going to look at how much money you made. And if all you made was like you said, $46. Also, you could say paying some taxes. <laughs> right. You biting off your nose to spite your face. Mm. It's just important to, to like be accurate with those from the beginning. Absolutely. But I agree. I just, I remember the time I went from, okay, I have this business. And then one day, I, in fact, what I was doing was I was, Depositing my the money that people were giving me into my own personal bank account, and one of my friends was like, "You ain't got a business." <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, "You just doing something for fun." But I mean, and it's funny because even when she said it, it stung. I was like, "Skip you, yeah, I do." Like, tell me, I wasn't up this morning. But you need o'clock. people like that in exactly. your life, though. That's going to keep it real with Absolutely. you and tell you that. And honestly, I had to get my life together. And it was nice to have somebody that a couple weeks later that was like, "Um, so how's that going? You know, did you work that out? Like, yeah, because you tripping." So it was nice. It was something that, that was good for me to like get in, to kind of get in order. So I like that. So it sounded like you had a calculated plan. God was like, nope. <laughs> Won't. Ain't going to do not it. That's not doing. So then as far as concoctions, how was that born? How'd you come up with that idea? So concoctions was born. I was a new homeowner and I was entertaining a lot at home. I had just found the Food Network and I was watching everything on the Food Network, all the shows. And, and then, you know, sometimes they would make cocktails. And so at the time I was recently married, I was a newlywed and there was always people at our house. So I would love to make nice cocktails, but I would go to the liquor store and nobody knew anything. The liquor store was very much a self-service industry. So that's how Concoctions, the liquor store was born. I wanted to have a liquor store that wasn't self-service. I wanted people to come in and be able to get recipes and we show you how to make it and we know what things are and we tell you how to mix it so that you could go home and have restaurant quality drinks at home. I was 25. I still look back that I have no idea what bank was thinking about giving me a loan. <laughs> they did, and I completely blew it. It was a complete flop. When I say I knew nothing and I learned everything not to do, that was like my tuition. That was my business tuition. And I tell you one thing, that's what I learned. You better pay them taxes. <laughs> because especially don't have no liquor license. Don't have no liquor license and think you're not going to pay them taxes because they will come. That's what they did. They came right into my business. Like, excuse me. And it wasn't even a lot of, it was $6,000. So I'm thinking, oh, that's nothing. I'll pay that off. No. They was like, ma'am, we need you to come up to Madison. I was like, can I just call y'all? Can we do a phone? They said, no, you coming in person. I'm telling you, that was the demise of that business. 
And I have no problem telling people that because people need to know, like, you need to pay your taxes. You need to be legit. Quit trying to scheme and scam and be underhanded. How can you draw fresh water from a salty pond? If you doing crooked business, ain't no way you going to have the numbers. Ain't no way you're going to see the growth. And that was where I went wrong. I was young. I was dumb. I had a great idea, but I had no direction. I didn't know they came to your place and was like, you need to yeah. come to me. Did you have to go like that day? You had no, to- it was like, it was like a couple of days later. A couple days. That even that's pretty. They could come in there and, and stand over your register and take the money out as you're making it. They have the power to do that. Oh goodness, well, that's good to know. Look, y'all, don't mess with the IRS. <laughs> they will come get y'all. I don't know how it is in other states. I'm talking about the state of Wisconsin. That's what it is. Goodness gracious. So how has it evolved? So then the business didn't do well. Bankrupt. Okay, it went bankrupt. And then what happened? Like, how did you end up, Bessie, bus, brick and mortar? What was the kind of the path for that? So the store closed. I was going through a divorce. I lost everything, like literally everything. My home, car, every, I was down to nothing. I had $10,000 in a shoebox and it was the recession. I'm glad you had it in the shoebox because yeah. they took it from the bank. No, I knew not to put nothing <laughs> in that bank now. They had my information. I wasn't going to let them tax people go in there. <laughs> Girl. So, We're not telling y'all to elude the IRS. I'm just, we just saying no, we're grateful she had it no, in that her was shoebox. My money now. I, I had did things to get that money, not legal things to hey. get, not illegal, legal things. That was my savings. That was all I had. So I lived off of that. And I went back to corporate America. To buy. I knew. I was like, no, I got something here. I know this is something. Yeah. I don't care how this happened. I don't care if it's bankrupt right now. I'm going to keep going. And so what I did was I started doing events. Like I've had a couple of customers who had come into the liquor store and they really liked the drinks. They really liked the business model and how I want to show people how to make drinks. And they asked me to come to their house and bartend. So I started doing that. And then from there, I was like, I'm going to go to these festivals. And I set up a meeting with the East Town Association. I made a couple drinks for them, got into Jazz in the Park. And from there, I mean, that was pretty much the transition was me getting into these festivals, building a, a brand, building a name for myself without having the overhead, without having a location where I had all these monthly expenses. And then I was able to, you know, stack the money to get the truck without taking out a loan. And then I wouldn't say in the truck I made a whole heap of money. It was still coming from the festivals because the truck, we were very limited as, as in we couldn't do alcohol and things like that. But yeah, I just, I got the drink truck and then I just knew it, it was time. Like it's time to be in a space. So so you said you couldn't do alcohol. How'd you get around that? Because I know I remember feeling a little happier with them little containers that I had when I bought the drinks from you. So how did that work? It depends where I'm at. Okay. So like if I'm somewhere that has a liquor license mm-hmm. and they extend it out to the outdoor area and that proprietor is willing to allow me to do that. That's one thing. But you just can't ride around selling alcohol. That's illegal. You cannot deliver alcohol. That's illegal. I wondered about that. I know there's a lot of people out there doing it. God bless you. But (laughs) that's what I'm talking about. I know we all got to start somewhere, but we got to start somewhere with clean hands. Meaning we can't come into business doing things illegal because what happens is those situations make it hard for people who are doing it the right way. That is true. So you can't do like the ice cream truck version. You can't ride around town with music. No. And man, I was thinking about that. If you go to somebody's <laughs> private property, like if you have a big backyard and you say to me, hi, I want you to come here and do. That's one thing. Okay. But I can't just go park on 60th and Capitol and be like, hey, y'all, here's some liquor. Come and you it. can't like ride around town with music. You're doing the ice cream truck. I don't know about that. That's probably some type of ordinance. I'm not going to. Sit here and lie. No, I don't know <laughs> how that works. But, I was um, trying to, I'm like, if we could work out some margaritas. Yeah, no, the truck was always the virgin version right. of our drinks. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Very neat. Good job. I just like hearing the process. I like hearing how you started and how you had to persevere. 
Goodness gracious, good for you. Thank you. So how has it evolved? I know you said now you got the brick and mortar store. Where are your goals? What are you planning now? So right now, slow and steady wins the race. Right now, I feel very fortunate as we've set ourselves up where we're running very efficiently. I got the right team in place and we're building our base even more. But next steps are to definitely get a second location and a third location, but ultimately is to franchise out the business where I will always probably keep some locations under me, but I definitely want other, specifically women, people always kind of like, oh, y'all don't hire no men here and kind of, sort of not. Because my passion is helping young ladies. And as I mentioned, my daughter's the manager, but I have a couple young ladies on the team who are entrepreneurs in other spaces. And when I hire them, I said, listen, I'm not going to have a bigger, better position for you. It's like manager and then what? You're going to be an owner? You're going to get a franchise? Okay, great. But if not, you know, if you have a business, I want you to feel like this is a mentorship. Just the same principles I was saying about how you can learn from your corporate job and apply those fundamentals to anything. I try to show them how to apply those business fundamentals to their businesses. So I think for that reason, I have a very invested team. They want to be there. They're really like family at this point. They're at my house all the time. And I feel really blessed more than anything for the staff that I have because they are an extension of me. And I remember a man said to me once, well, Hyacinth, what's it going to look like when you open? Because you are concoctions. And I said, no, no, I'm not. I am the brains behind it. But I don't think people are just buying the drink because of me. I mean, I know he didn't mean it in an insulting way whatsoever, but it was almost like the people only buying the drinks because of me, where I know what that product can do. I know they're walking advertisements. They're good. We use the best quality ingredients. This isn't no snow cone that's going to turn your teeth blue. We're using it does not. high quality <laughs> ingredients. Right. And we're doing something that nobody else in the city is doing. And really, you'd be hard-pressed to find a business model like mine out there. So I feel really passionate about being able to share this business with somebody else and letting somebody else be successful off of it. All right. So at this time, we'd like to give a special shout out to our title sponsor, Pump 5 Fuel Delivery Service, for delivering quality car service directly to our members. Our members don't go to the gas station. Our members don't have to worry about taking their car to have it detailed and leaving it there all day. And our members also don't have to worry about having to plan a special trip in their busy lives just to go and have their tires taken care of. They use our company app to schedule all those services at their convenience, and our specially trained providers will bring those services directly to their car. We deliver gas on-site, we provide tire service on-site, and we also provide auto detailing at our members' convenience. So, how does your life look? Do you have any extra time specifically to set aside for anything extra that also includes having your car taken care of? Our Pump 5 members don't, and they don't have to. So be sure to look into Pump 5. That's www.pump5.com. That's P-U-M-P-F-I-V-E.com. So our service providers can deliver our services directly to your car. Pump 5 is recorded and produced by our friends at Podcast Town. That is www.podcasttown.com. Be sure to check them out for all your podcasting needs. Thank you very much. And you know what? Shout out to your daughter. I know the last time you had mentioned, she had just started helping a little bit on the bus. Mm-hmm. And you were like, at some point you were worried like whether or not she could handle it. And last time we talked, you could tell that once she got to work that she knew exactly what she was doing. And she was asking yeah. the right questions and offering whatever little upgrade she needed. So it's good to hear that she's a manager yeah, now. Yeah, she's amazing. When I tell you, like, she runs that place. Woo. I don't have to step foot in there. I mean, and there's been days I don't even go there because I don't have to. Right. She does the inventory. She communicates. She's like, Aww. Ma, this is what we need. She has her daily huddles with the team. 
I really go there to observe mm-hmm. and I give coaching and feedback to my staff. I go there to do my little live videos because mm-hmm. my daughter, she really don't get into that stuff. Mm-hmm. I play up on people's strengths. Right. If she's not strong and live, but I am, then why would I sit here and try yeah. to force her to do why it? Why not? Yeah. Everybody on the team has a, a certain strength mm-hmm. and I just play up to people's strengths. That's awesome to hear. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Good leadership <laughs> gets good people, but it's still awesome to hear. So shout out to Thank her you. too. So at this point, I guess my question is, what would you say to you, to the you that was working at the bank and was tired, but hadn't really quite decided, okay, I'm leaving. Well, (laughs) get out. But I mean, what do you think the biggest fear is? Like when you're at work and you know you kind of, you need this job, you got to pay for stuff. Part of me feels like that's like, those are just symptoms. Like, what do you think the underlying concern is? I definitely think that money is probably the first thing on a person's mind. Right. It was for me. And I was set up pretty good in my transition where I knew I was going to be okay until I started making money. And I was still scared. So I think that fear is the enemy to me. I always view fear as the enemy in the religious sense. So if I'm ever scared of something, I'm always asking myself, what is the opportunity cost? What is on the other side of that fear? Because that's probably my greatest gift to give the world. And that's the enemy trying to stop me from getting there. So I think for women, and it's anybody, it's the fear of taking care of the family, financially being there. A lot of times we have this guilt of our time not being focused on our family. So I would say to the money part of that, once you know that there's something else that you want to do, there's a lot of different programs out here. There's a lot of different grant money. There's a lot of different ways you can acquire resources that don't necessarily involve getting a loan or even necessarily having your business fluid at that time. So I would say try to be creative in your sources and your funding. Kiva is a great resource for that. 0% interest loans are all crowdfunded by your family and friends. So that I think is definitely something that a hurdle that all entrepreneurs need to overcome is that fear of how do I supplement my money until I'm sure that I can make it here. So, yeah, sometimes you might have to stay in corporate America, but I'm going to keep it real. I wish I would have left a long time ago. That's one of my greatest regrets. I wish I would have not stayed there as long as I did. That was not my God-given destiny. There were so many times before that. I look back on my career there. There were so many times where God was trying to push me out of there. There were many, many times where things happened there where God was like, get out, go. And I stayed out of the fear. And all that stuff I said about like picking up stuff in corporate, I was already picking it up. I had it. I had that information, but I stayed stuck there because of the money. And I was a single person. I was not married. I did not have a man in my life. So I didn't have anybody to fall back on. If you got a husband, you need to sit him down and say, listen, baby, this is what I want to do. This is what it's going to take. How can we run this household lean so I can get this done? That's a plus if you have a man in your life that you can lean on. If he's that kind of husband. Do you think it's the lack of confidence? Like, I know money is a part of it, but I feel like to a degree, like we as women, we have a very strong, very instinctive, make it happen muscle. Like overall, when we need to, it's something about us that just kicks in. You look around and you done made it through. Like whether it's inches a day (laughs) and you look around and it's like, okay, it's done. So how much do you think confidence plays a role in it? Just kind of being like, Okay, but can I? And then listening to the voices of the folks around you that are like, oh, girl, I don't know. You think you can leave that job? Mm -hmm. I mean, just how much do you think confidence plays a role? So before I touch on it, I want to just backpedal real quick because the other thing I said was about, and I think this is important for women with children, is that we feel like, oh, I can't 
leave my kid to go do this. And when you're getting stuff going, it takes that. If you're working a job, yeah, you might have to come home, get your family together, and then sit in your office for three hours at night and maybe miss out on certain things. And I think we beat ourselves up about that a lot. But I came from a family where I was raised in stores. My parents were busy a lot, gone a lot. And to be honest, I don't feel like that negatively impacted me as a person because I knew what my parents were out there doing. And I saw we reaped the benefits of that lifestyle. So it may feel like you're being neglectful in that moment, but you got to know that that's a seed that you're sowing in your child. So I think we got to get over that fear too as women. But back to the confidence part, I mean, yeah, I mean, confidence is everything. And if you don't believe in yourself, like you can never tell me nothing about concoctions. Really, I'm somebody that, I'm very convicted in what I believe, no matter what it is. Like, what I know is what I know. I'm standing on it. If I believe in it, I'm going hard for it. You can't deter me from that, period. And I think that we all need to flex that muscle inside of ourselves because there's going to be so many people, family especially, friends. Strangers. Strangers. (laughs) Like, we got an article in the journal the other day, and I had to sit down and talk to my staff the other day at the staff meeting because they were getting in their feelings about people saying negative things on, like, social media. And I'm like, listen, for every one of them negative, they talking. Let them talk. Who cares what they saying? At the end of the day, all money ain't good money. The right people going to walk through the door, and you can't focus on what people are saying that's going against. If you start letting that sink in you, it's going to sink you. You're not kidding. So confidence, you got to believe in yourself more than anything. Even if deep down, maybe it's a little voice on your shoulder that's like, girl, you about to go broke trying to do this. You still got to go out there and give that united front with your vision to the world. Right. And then the world will catch up with you. And speak back to that voice. Like when that voice yes. is like, girl, you're going to go broke. You're like, oh, no, we not. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> we ain't about to go broke with this. You know what I mean? Because that voice needs to be put in its place too. Exactly. Just like all the other people that are talking crazy. And even about being a mom, like I've got four kids, you know, obviously two of them are grown and that's a whole nother podcast. But the two that are still home, like, yeah, I'm going a lot. Yeah, I'm working a lot. Yeah, I'm doing a bunch. Even when I get home, a lot of times I got to go in my office and get to work. But honestly, they're at the age now where I, I'm getting them involved. This is their legacy. You know what I mean? I'm intending for this business to like grow and go and give back long after I'm gone. And it's going to start with them. You know what I mean? So even if that means them sitting down and us being like, no, nah, this 46 cents missing. We got to find it. And us got having to go back through the accounting. Little things like that. I think they need it. I think kids start to feel left out when they aren't involved at all. So if they are sitting outside and you're doing the go sit down, go sit down, go sit down. And even for smaller kids, to a degree, you do kind of have to do that. But as they get older, I say get them involved. Because the more my girls are involved, now the more they're involved. Like, we deliver gas. We do fleets. And so I used to be in the car trying to get pictures of vans or whatever. So I know which companies to like get in contact with. And my girls now, they at the point where they do it. They're we go places yeah. and they're like, Mama, slow down a little bit. Let me get this van mm-hmm. or whatever. So the more involved they get, the more they are able to give back and do stuff. Then it becomes less of a thing where mom ain't never here because of the business. Then y'all go on trips and you do stuff. Honestly, I think a huge part of why families lose money generationally. You know what I mean? I think I read somewhere it took three generations for families that are like ridiculously wealthy to go broke. It's because folks ain't teaching their kids how to build and what to do with it. So shoot, take them kids with you. Let them go to meetings. (laughs) Yes. Put them on your hip. Like when my daughter was a baby, I was in television back then. And I remember taking her to the video. She was on my hip and she was right there. And she's a go with the flow person now. And I know that's a lot of how she was raised Mm -hmm. in environments where it wasn't always about her. So sometimes I think we think we're doing a disservice to our children, but you got to turn that thinking around. It's your perception. You got to look at it like, I'm not doing a disservice to them. 
I'm building their grit. I'm giving them the game that mm-hmm. eventually will, that seed will flourish. And the truth is they can't learn it anywhere else. This is not something they will learn at school. So, well. so if you don't teach them, if you aren't teaching your own people, your own kids, and I mean, and I'm saying daughters because that's who I got at home now. My son is gone, but if we're not teaching them, who is? You know what I mean? So I'm in. I think that whole mom guilt thing is just, that's something that we all just have to, we got to let it, it go. Get over it. Because guess what? The dads get up, no shade to the dads, but the dads get up, they go to work, they're yep. gone, they come home late at night, or and when they do it, it's like, okay, right. why is that? Right. Why is that that when the dad does that's it, okay, why can't mm-hmm. dad stay home with the kids? At the end of the day, if you're a single mother, the father's still in life, it's like, oh, well, it's a babysitting. No, it's not a babysitting. It's, these are your children. Right. Here you go. I got to grind for this weekend. If they're yours. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So we definitely got to let that go as women, as mothers. You know, Michelle Obama was talking about that in Becoming. She had mentioned that, I guess, when Sasha and Malia were younger, she was at home a lot. And at some point, I guess, Barack came home and he had mentioned, I'm saying Barack like I knew them. But he came (laughs) home, you know, my hopes. But he came home and he had mentioned going to the gym. And she was like, the gym? When do you go to the gym? Because all she knew was she had these two little kids and she was at home all the time. And she was saying she wanted to get an attitude. Like, what you mean? Uh, When last time I've been to the gym? And she said it took her checking herself and being like, oh, wait, I do need to make sure I'm doing what I need to, to, that I'm getting my time for me. I'm not just their mom and his wife. But the truth is, we as women, we complain about it. It's hard for us, but we also have the power. We also are the people that have control. And you better schedule it in. You better make it happen and get a babysitter or call your mom or call whoever you can to watch the kids. Because it ain't like he going to be like, oh, I mean, he might if you mention it to him and he need it, depending on your husband or if there's like somebody else there. But overall, if this going to happen, you're going to have to do it. <laughs> so it's good to hear, but it's also good to know that it's like, I feel like that's not, it's universal. It's something that all women are kind of struggling yes. with. So we gave y'all some solutions there. Y'all better do something <laughs> with it. <laughs> I got a few questions. What do you do when you run out of answers? Like when you're doing stuff with your business and you kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, I don't know what now, what's next? Like, what do you do then? I go to the source. Meaning? Like a lot of times, and I know before I even say it, it's going to sound messed up. Like a lot of times people will inbox me and say, how you get a license? Y'all can't see me shade face right here. Okay. (laughs) Why are you coming to me asking me about a license? Because you got one. No. People need to learn to go to the source. I agree. Because if I wasn't there, so now if I don't respond to this message, what you going to do? People need to learn how to seek out the information that they need to know. And you don't have to go through it. Now you just add in a middle person. And what if I give you the wrong information? Absolutely. And what if what my license don't apply to what you're trying to do? So, hello, if you want to know about licenses, you call the licensing division. I agree. That's what you do. I always say there's one thing not to know something. It's another thing not want to know, not wanting to know. That is true. You got to want to know mm-hmm. the information. So for me, if I run out of answers, if I don't know something... I'm going directly to the source. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to make it real. Clover. Clover system for people out there in retail. So it's point of sale system. I had dealt with merchant processing before. And a friend of mine who also was in retail got a Clover system too. They went through their bank, which is the natural thing to do. You would think, okay, my bank, my merchant, that's the thing to do. But this is how they trick you. When you get the Clover system through the bank, now you can't take that Clover system to another bank. You stuck with that Clover system being attached to that bank. When I got the Clover for this brick and mortar, I called Clover because I'm always in the mindset of I'm eliminating middlemen. I like to go, like I said, straight to the source. I called Clover. So now I bought the system outright, didn't lease it. I owned it. And I was banking with Chase. 
girl, I thought I was Crystal Carrington or somebody. I went in there one day. I was like, do y'all mess with small business? I said, I need to know. I said, because I need a bank that's going to work for me. I'm not a million-dollar business now, but I need help getting there. And if y'all not the bank, tell me now. And they was like, we not the bank. I said, thank you. Goodbye. And I took all my money out there, and I went to another bank. That was decisive. That's important, actually. It is. <laughs> to walk in and ask those questions and get the answers you need right then. I thought I was somebody. You are somebody. What you mean? <laughs> you would have thought that I was like a millionaire or something. And long story short, the point in that is that when I left the other bank and took the Clover system, I took it with me free and clear. Now, had I got that Clover system through Chase, Clover would have told me, you need to buy another system. Even if I would have bought it outright, it was tied to that bank. So I said all that to say is you got to go directly to the source and get your information directly from the source. And as a business owner, if you can't master that, you're going to have a lot of hiccups because people will send you down the wrong tunnel. Probably unintentionally. Unintentionally a lot of times, yes, because certain things just don't apply. And sometimes people doing things the wrong way and they don't even know it. Right. Ooh, preach it. Say so, that again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely about getting my information strictly from the source. I'd like that. And a huge reason for that is it's like you get so, I don't know, I feel like you kind of get those, like you were saying, somebody will email you and say, how do you get a license? It's like they kind of interested, they kind of want the information, but they ain't really ready they don't, to execute ready. yet. So you going out of your way to answer them. I don't. And give me up with it. And I know a lot of people probably think I'm a you-know-what because well, of that. But you know what? I have got to be intentional with my time every day. And that was what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like you use your time to give this answer to this person that may or may not do nothing with it. It's like when you decide you really want it and you're ready to execute, the whole idea of going to the source, that's spot on. That's good stuff right there. Thank you. That's a good answer. <laughs> I like it. Good answer. It is. What do you do for self-care? Like, how do you treat yourself? What do you do when you get to the point where you're tired and you need to unplug? On a daily like every Wednesday, I'm really big on, this is really girly, but I love to take long baths and I take my iPad in there and I watch a movie and I just chill out. What's wrong with being girly? <laughs> that's my thing. Like, like That's my, like my Tuesday, Wednesday night thing. But I make sure that I get my hair and nails done every two weeks. I take care of myself. I feel I'm a big believer. If you feel good, you look good. If you look good, you feel good. It's a reciprocal thing. And then I travel. I don't really go out here. I don't really have time to go out here. There's really nowhere I want to go out here like that. So I make sure I get on a plane and I get out of here and I enjoy myself when I do and I treat myself. I don't believe in working hard and not seeing the fruits of your labor. So I definitely have no problems splurging on myself and not in excess, but if it's something I want and I know I've worked hard and I earn it and I can afford it, I do it. Yeah, splurging. I think that's just, <laughs> I think that's common sense. <laughs> it's good for you. Good for you. So then how do people find you? We'll be sure to have all your information in the show notes. But as far as like your business and concern, like how do if people want to like book concoctions, are people still able to have you come to events and stuff or how's that working? Well, a couple of people have reached out about that just recently, but through the pandemic, no. I think the last time we did something was the December. I can't even remember. It's been so long. So our physical location is 4943 West Fond du Lac Avenue. We are right there on Fond du Lac and Capital across from the AutoZone. We're in the Upper Yard restaurant there on Fond du Lac and Capital. They have a new location. So our bar is inside of there. As far as social media, everything is Concoctions MKE. So the website, concoctionsmke.com, Instagram, Facebook, all Concoctions MKE. That is all. Is there any special like last tidbits or like extra thoughts that you want to be able to share with the woman that's out there and she wants to go back to school, but she just feels like, oh, I'm just too old for this. Anything special or extra you want to be able to let her know or to remind her 
or what you need to have to in order to get to make the next step and to get to the next chapter? Just do it, man. Just do it. Nike was not at a loss when they made that their slogan. We got to just go. And sometimes once you're in it, you'll get that extra motivation. But the longer you sit there dwelling and making up excuses, because that's what they really are, excuses as to why you can and why you shouldn't. That was a day you could have been in it. That was a day you could have been closer to it. So we just got to take the leap, man, and just have faith. And I'm a very religious, spiritual person. And I just believe if you start with God and you tell him what you want, tell him what it is you're striving for and ask him to guide you, you can never go wrong with that plan. You are not kidding. I completely agree. It's just something about praying, planning, and executing. It sounds simple. So I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple. It's just you got to pray about it. You make a plan and then execute. And you look around and you have a whole business or a whole degree or whatever the whole next thing is for you. And then you'll have a story. So on that note, if you all know anybody that you think we should have here interviewed on the Chapter Next podcast, be sure to let us know. We'd love to have people here. And also, if y'all have enjoyed listening to Hyacinth and enjoyed her insight and her just understand it's because she's a super talented lady, but she's also an on-air radio personality for a couple local radio stations. So Hyacinth, do you want to tell people when they can hear more from you? Yeah, so I'm on air on Jamming 98.3 Sundays from noon to two. And then I'm on air also on Energy 106.9. I do their blown off segment. That's where like somebody gets ghosted after a first date. And then I got to call the person and ask them why you ghosted them. And that gets very interesting. So that's Monday and Wednesdays at 9.05 and Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7.05 on Energy 106.9. So yeah. I'm Jamaican. I got to have three jobs or they just kick you out the delegation. At least. They take your card. They Do y'all have a card? It. It's virtual. Yeah. <laughs> it's virtual. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, that's all. Thank you very much, Hyacinth, for coming and talk to us and uh, coming and talking to us. And that is all. All right. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So there y'all have it. We've been able to sit back and listen to Hyacinth, entrepreneur, radio personality, business lady extraordinaire, and just learn a little bit more about just all of her wisdom and why she was able to come as far as she has from starting with working in corporate America to building her own empire and a future franchise that she mentioned earlier, y'all. She started young and she had all the bumps and mistakes and things that like that we all have, like problem with taxes, a business that didn't make it the first time, but a thriving business now and pretty much just life. But my point is just pointing out the fact that although life is crazy and you have plans, you have something that you want to do from point A to point B. Overall, the way the road zigzags, <laughs> just the whole idea of making a plan is probably just a formality. But it seems like Hyacinth was able to overcome those, y'all. So as you listen to the interview, as you can see, you understand why she continues to crush it, not just in life, but also with her business, her sharp business mind, the idea that she got, the motivation she had to get up and go get Bessie to get the bus. And just making it happen has worked in her favors. Well, from starting concoctions back in 2009 to her brick and mortar business that she has now. In that time, the sister got a bachelor's degree in professional communications, an associate's degree in business administration, and a licensed real estate agent, all without skipping a beat. So Hyacinth, we want to give you a shout out. You are thriving. You are winning. You are spectacular. And thank you for being a guest on the Chapter Next podcast. So thank y'all again for listening. I am Talithia Thompson, a mom, a grandma, a serial entrepreneur, just doing my best to make this next chapter of my life the best chapter of my life on purpose. 